Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, powered once again by our partners at Code Sports. You can head over to Code Sports and read our latest article. Uh, we've got a few new trade ideas coming into the next round. With me tonight to talk all things Supercoach, it is Pistol, my man. I'm chasing you down. It is official. The Chizo chase down has begun. I've gone at 22.88 this week, and I've got you quaking in your boots. <laughs> I did see you jump from like, what, 30K to 10K in one week. Uh, which is yeah, I uh, nineteen thousand three hundred ranks in one week. That's exciting. Um, good job by you. I, I mean this this season has been a little bit of. I, I keep saying a disaster. My rank's been decent, but I said on the last podcast I have to nail all my trade ins for the rest of the year, or I'm going to be in big trouble because I keep trading in players who get injured. And obviously, I trade in Tuk Miller, and he got injured. Oh. And now I have to trade him out. So I had to boost to get him in, and now I have to boost to get him out. So I'm also going to be down two boosts. It's just a yeah. disaster. I, I haven't caught a break um, this whole season. But look, my my team is really good. And I've said that since week one, even though I'm copying it. 2-2-1-6, I moved up to 1,600th overall. So I've been making massive headway despite trading in injured players for what is it, four times now this season? It's just yeah, ridiculous. Yep. Um, it's probably more, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's, look, my, my trade situation is not good, and it's going to continually be poor. Um, what? Because I can't... A, che- a, a, a pistol trade situation? You run... This is unheard this, of. I would Usually have had... you're really conservative <laughs> with your trades. I would have had such a good season. I know everyone's probably saying that, but like... I'm already do, doing decently with all these injuries. I mean, what could have been? It's just kind of it's frustrating. But you know what, Chizo, I'm getting off. I'm getting off that 
mindset and uh, <laughs> sorry yeah, what sorry no no I'm I'm switching off that mindset now moving forward I'm going to have a bit of fun with it there's almost no chance I'm going to be able to finish the team how I want to given the lack of trades I have and going a bit YOLO with my trades this week and I'm just going to bring in the players that I really want to have it's kind of like you and your boy Darcy Parrish last week and it turning out for you I think if I have a bit of bit of fun with it uh don't overthink it as much at least I'll I'll get some enjoyment out of uh the rest of the year and hopefully that holds me in good stead so uh yeah hoping to to bring in Sam Walsh this week Nice. I like that. And you, you did mention that um, uh, I obviously brought in my boy Darcy Parrish for the first time in history since he's been a premium. Um, and at halftime, sitting in the <laughs> mid-20s, I thought I was in big trouble. Luckily, I had to catch a plane, so um, I couldn't actually uh, – I couldn't, like, watch – the, the, the score from that point on, which was uh, probably good as an Essendon supporter. But uh, got off the plane and saw him on the in the three-figure, so I was super happy with that. Got the win over you as well, which is uh, is most important. <laughs> you mean uh, Essendon I, I got guess... the win over Collingwood. That's when you left. That's when you got on the plane and you still haven't checked the scores. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, I guess the, the biggest positive after all that this week, it's not my rank, it's not um, Parrish being half-decent, all that kind of thing. It, it's that I actually managed to attend a wedding without trading in Josh Kelly. And I figured out the secret, Pistol, and that's already having him in my team. <laughs> yeah, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. That's that's a problem when you've done that two times. But yeah, third time's the charm, <laughs> already having Josh yeah. Kelly. Great job by you. And, yeah, uh, I can't believe it, fig- it took three times for me to figure that out, mate. And it's a big score this week, right, from him. Yeah. So, worked out. Yeah. He's been decent. 111 as a as a mid, like I'm not quite as high as probably what I thought he was going to go, but the fact that all the other mid, uh, sorry, the midfielders are yeah. scoring... I suppose their the, the scores are upticking a little bit at the moment. Um, getting him in the 500s versus someone starting Laird for basically the same amount of points as, um, or at least the same averages, is, I think is a win. Uh, we've got some housekeeping to go through, Pistol, before we get into the Supercoach. We've got a couple sign-ups over on Patreon. We've got Daniel Parsons, McJobes, and Toby. Thank you so much for joining up over onto Patreon. And Pistol, we do have a whole bunch of sign-ups here. Uh, I'm going to start with JK. Thanks for the donation, JK. Donating for Laird and Sloan, the berry substitute, while he's out and a dumb thing by not putting the E on Marshall in round five. Thank you, JK. Is that English? Marshall. There was so much going on there. (laughs) Marshall, thanks. Yeah, there was was no no commas, no nothing like that. There was no full stop. That was one sentence. sentence. Yeah, okay. There was a lot of words Uh, in that one. I can't read it the best of time. Uh, Dennis D, lobster one, flag mantle zero. Thanks, Dennis. We got Waza donating for losing to Azza in rivalry league. There's a very, very good meme. Um, where as is I am the the was now, so that was very funny. Uh, Go Crom has donated for dumb things. Where to begin? He had English VC, good. Traded in Took Miller via Tom Green, and then slapped the C oh, on him. No. Had Fergie Green on the bench as well, and had him uh, to loop via Davy, and that plan didn't go well either. All made worse because I made sure my mates took English's VC score while I didn't myself. It didn't take the one Cardinal scene. thirty-one. Now, Cardinal That's sin. crazy Cardinal to sin. me. I can't tell you how many times Thanks I've had for a your plus not taken it and ended up with a double figure captaincy. Uh, Benny made a boo boo, an ode to being a dumbass by Benny in rivalry league. For the big wins, you risk it. Do late trades in the chase for the biscuit. Thought there was time based on KO, then reared the delayo. Cogs locked on the bench without the emergency. What a half win! 
Yeah, that's disappointing. That's Imagine fair. having 130 locked on your bench. Uh, then we got Benjamin Buzzington. Penance for a spoon. By Benny, there's a keeper league with violent banters. We are foul-mouthed and gibberish ranters. From the quest for the ring is a real cut cr- cutthroat thing and game week comes dribbling with slanders. <laughs> Dripping. <laughs> dribbling. <laughs> dribbling with slanders. There's another this, donation this, by Benny. Thank you very much for your generosity. This he's gone is, with his, uh, he's, three different names. <laughs> he's gone with, yeah, he's three aliases. Oh, maybe we can track his three different Slack accounts now. Um, <laughs> okay, so he's got Better Late Than Missing Tax Season by Benny. The wager was Eagles higher than Swans with TP and then Maz came. Oh, my God. I, it, is this supposed to be a limerick this time? I don't think this one is a limerick. I think you've okay, just had better two late than limericks missing tax and season. This, this one's not. Thanks, Benny. Okay, bye, Benny. Uh, the wager was Eagles higher than Swans. <laughs> With TP, and then Maz came a clambering on, and so finally, uh, it's definitely a limerick. The, oh my god! <laughs> Thank you, Benny. You've done. I really appreciate it, mate. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, now, Maso's made a bet um, with JB last week that he'd make a donation if he uh, he lost a single game in rivalry league. Uh, at all this season because he was having such a, a good run. And he's literally lost the week that he made the bet. So he's made a donation. So I appreciate you that, uh, for that, Meso. Uh Two to go. Whitey says, for forgetting to take Ralston off the field and not getting Fergus Green's score. Also to pay JB for the hug he gave me on Slack when I badly needed it when Took went down. Cheers, legend. Thanks, Whitey. And thanks, JB. Whitey and I have... We started with the same team. It was the only person I'm aware of. Uh we had the exact same starting team. And then we both did the exact same trade from Wits to Darcy Cameron and both got that. Um, and now we've both, and I, I didn't speak to him this week, but clearly we've both brought in to Miller as well. So we're mm. goffing it, Whitey and I. So uh, thanks for the donation, but that that's rough. Yeah. Our last donation is Luke Kenyon. Uh, what's the Cancer Council donation link? I brought Davey on field hoping to loop with Chandler's 85 and would have won all of my leagues and got over 2,200 but had to deal with a 44 on field when I thought he wasn't playing. It, yeah, that stinks. I just want to say, firstly, thank you to all everyone that's donated. But Luke specifically, when you've started this with saying, what's the Cancer Council donation link, did you just copy and paste your Slack message into this message and forget to remove I that line because that is <laughs> I think he has. that is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's like a you know it's like a dumb thing within a dumb thing within a dumb thing within a dumb thing type thing going on. Dumb yeah. dumbception. Yep. Um, but thank you for the donation. And we had a Benny's went through like a donation inception sort of thing. There's just yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot today. But thank you very much for. An incredibly generous week by the community. Huge. Really, one of the biggest weeks we've had in a long time. Yeah, it usually means something's going wrong when that happens to the Cancer Council, but <laughs> uh, turning into a positive. Uh, the, before we get into the, some Supercoach Pistol, I do just want to say to everyone that's that's had a bad week and you know we've talked about this before, those that brought in Took this week, you got to remember that good choices can have bad outcomes. And I, I, I would hope to think if presented with the same situation again, like in the future, you would still be backing yourself in and you would still be making that trade. Um, you can't predict injuries on, uh, particularly on players that are, have basically no injury history um, that we really know about. 
And so, you know, good decisions can have bad outcomes and bad decisions can have good outcomes. So it's important to remember how and why you made the decision and not base it on what the outcome was. That's called um, outcome bias and uh, it can really lead you down a garden path into thinking that you've done better or worse just based on the outcome and not the actual choices. So Pistol, in your position... I would like to think that given the same scenario, you'd be making a similar set of... You'd probably bring in Took again. <laughs> yeah, I would. And I'd bring in Roberts again as well, who got injured. Yep. So yep. I, I can't, I'm not really too upset about specifically Roberts because nearly everyone brought him in because it was kind of the like obvious thing to do. Um, so yeah. I can't... You just Everyone's going to, going to cop that one. I think the, the Took one hurts a bit more just purely because of an ownership type thing and I use my boost and on on a POD to get injured and then have to you know boost back out so and then and then I'm I'm thinking with Clary's price dropping fast cheese as well I'm probably going to use another boost the next week and I've ended up just you know I used one boost to boost took in one boost to boost took out I did the hokey pokey and now you know got Clary's boost <laughs> Clary boost next week too so it's just all my boosts are going and then you've run out and then I've run out oh you finished the you finished yeah. it off thank you yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was important to say off the top. Uh, so now let's get into the real meat and veggies of the podcast. Uh, I think we're going to start off with the rookies. That seems to be a, col- a common theme here, mate. We've got a couple guys that are sort of topping out, and I think um, the important thing to remember, these aren't family members. There's no emotion when you cut these guys. If you've got a rookie um, that is reaching that, that break-even point and there's not a whole lot of money left to be make, made, I'm talking about the likes of Cowan, I'm talking about... Uh, Wilmot, these guys, um, I think it should be a no-brainer for us that um, they should be on on the chopping block to begin with. Pistol, do you have any any other names off the top of your head that you think should um, be in the unemotional bin them basket? Like the Philippu types, I yep. think uh, you can you can start being savage with him. And um, I mean, probably not this week. There's a couple that are you know next week culls, but we can mm-hmm. start looking at some of those higher price players um, as well as yeah. we as we try and yeah. Get some of the so, uh, kings of. Super I've coach. got a list here. Yep, and, and you tell me. You tell me if you, you disagree with it. I'd be. Ha- I'd be happy to cut any of Cowan, McKenna, Wilmot, Davy, Jinby if you haven't already, Mackenzie if you haven't already, Philippu, Will Phillips, and um, Eminem, Michael Annie. Yeah, all of those I would be willing to cut. Even to be fair, even somebody like I mean, I prefer not to cut Ashcroft, but you probably could if you wanted to. Um. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it really depends on who you're getting in, but I, I stick with those other guys first on the list. And same as Stocker, yeah, I'd rather hold yeah. Stocker another week. Like technically, you can probably cut them, but I'd rather get decent scores on field if I can. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is all there those any, guys, Chizo. Is there any um, particular order that you would do? Like you would, you would like to get the the pricier guys, say like the McKenna out ahead of the the cheaper guys because you can do more with that cash. Or would you try and find the the two the two cheaper ones there and see what you can do with it? Like like for example, instead of um, chasing someone like Oliver. Uh, who's coming down a little bit in price? You could easily like upgrade to like maybe a Will Day or a Jack Zebel if you don't have have them by using some of the cheaper guys. Mm-hmm. I think you, you, you don't have a you don't have a preference. Or? I th- look to be honest. I think there's every world that somebody like Cowan gets dropped this week, so you don't even have to worry about them losing money. Um, yeah, and then and and Phillips as well. 
potentially could be dropped. He was tactically subbed out. And then I think Hugh Greenwood went on with a, you know, 30 touch, 10 tackle game in, in the VFL anyway. So he's probably, you'd think, could be well on his way back into the side. So in my mind, if those guys are dropped, there's no desperate trade for them because they're not going to lose money. Um, I, I try and pick off players that I think might drop in money. I mean, Conor McKenna's got a break-even of 62. Although against Fremantle at playing at home, I feel like that's a pretty decent matchup. He probably, if he does drop, it's only going to be very minor, but I'd be probably looking at someone like him and Wilmot as like my first two because the slight concerns that they might lose money um, over somebody who's dropped. I know... It sounds weird keeping people who aren't playing, but I've got in the back of my mind, Chizu, that there's there's some good rookies that we'll talk about soon that are coming through next week, and you know we can we can trade the non-playing guys out next week uh, over the guys that are you know prioritize the guys that might lose money first. Yeah, yeah, I, I think playing the be the, the break-even game is the smartest thing to do. Uh, I, well, let me counter with something uh, in saying that. Saying McKenna, he does have a, a break-even that's that's closer. He's also the guy that's probably going to, um, you know, the Cowan, Davies, these kind of guys. He, he's the one that's probably a chance of popping out a bit of a spike score if he's going to have a decent game. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Wilmot's game that he, like, he played absolutely out of his skin. He got 69 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess... The, the way that I try to do it is like I, I'm looking at going like a Wilmot and McKenna, sorry, a Wilmot and Cowan out um, because that I can literally do two trades and get uh, a Will Day this week by doing that. And if I was going to do a third, then I'd do something like McKenna. But it, it just goes, um, it's it's really based on in that system, like scenario what you can actually do with the cash. Yeah. Um, I think as well. What about trading? I know some people might be holding Chesser. They might be holding Constable, and now they've they've brought in Roberts, who's injured. Yeah. Do you think another dead? Yeah. Do you think that it's worth correcting one of those guys now, or is now not the time? I don't think it is. I think we're right in the middle of upgrade season. Yeah. I think we touched on it last week, where we we really hammered home everyone needs to focus on their upgrade cadence. Um, as long as you're not at risk of copping donuts. This week and and the DPP with Roberts and Constable really helps in that that fashion. Um, I, I think I would still be focusing on on that that upgrade cadence before I would be um, doing a Chesser, a Roberts, a Constable sideways to someone um, at this point in time. It's just it's not that it's a wasted trade. It's just more of a a trade that hasn't benefited you in the moment. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, look, as long as you don't have like. I know five plus dead players on your bench, so you literally are running out of cash. All these players that you're trading out now, right? Like, let's say I'm trading out McKenna and I'm bringing in um, Seamus Mitchell from Hawthorne, right? Like, Mitchell might be primed to trade out in five weeks or so. So you you get another guy that you're will that you can cull in five weeks' time, and you create that cycle. And you only needed that one spot on your field. Like, mm. you didn't need your entire bench. You only need realistically. At this stage of the season, I mean, obviously, the more the merrier with cash gen, but you can get away without having an entirely playing bench as long as you have what, like four, maybe five bench guys that are making money. You can get away yeah. with it just by cycling through those guys. Um, and then, I personally feel like the best time to do those sideways trades is one if there's 
you know, a particularly special rookie that looks like they're going to play every game for the rest of the season or just they look amazing. And then you're like, okay, this is worth doing the sideways trade because they just look phenomenal and I wouldn't otherwise be able to get them. Or right before a buy in which you're going to cop a donut, you're like, okay, if I have to burn a trade now, at least I'm going to burn the trade for this rookie and get, you know, 60 points out of it. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I can solve two birds with one stone kind of scenario, like cl- as close to the buy as possible because then the rookies might play through the buys, which is really important. So any player yeah. we bring in this week might not make it to the buys. It's just the fact. Yeah, yeah. Might not even make it to the next week. <laughs> as we <laughs> see. The they play. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, while we're talking about some of these rookies, uh, I do want to just touch on Sheasel. He obviously copped attention. Isn't it weird that we're in a year that Sheasel gets tagged before Nick Dacos? Yeah. Isn't that Explain funny? that one to me. Explain that to I me. I can't. I can't. It's You're right. He, he copped a tag by Holman. He was coming in with like a corky and a sore thumb, so he was probably a bit underdone. Didn't train much during the week. Then cops a tag, like the worst, worst of both worlds. There, um, yeah. I am in the strong camp of let's see how he looks next week. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, he had five tons in a row. So, if that was just an off game and he goes back to tonning up every week, then happy days. Otherwise, we just, you know, we'll have to deal with it depending on what his score is and what his role is. Because at the end of the day, I know Hall came in and. Sheasel kind of got thrown about, but there was the tag and everything. If Sheasel's not tagged and is starting forward, then you know it's dire situations next week. But yeah, not. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess this this is where I'm going with this. Like he he obviously copped attention. He's now got a 53 in his rolling average. It makes his break even 99, which you know he's had five games where that hasn't been a problem. But now he's got Melbourne, St Kilda, Port Adelaide, Sydney, Collingwood, Essendon in his, in his <laughs> next six weeks. That's pretty hard. That is a really, really rough six weeks for North. And we are going to be faced very, very quickly with a, a really tough decision about whether he's going to be a hold until the buyers. Because if he starts, if this is him copping attention and a few knocks and maybe he needs a rest and he doesn't have that reliability that we thought we did. I, I, like this might be jumping at shadows a bit, Pistol. You, you stop me if you if you think that's the case. Um, but I just feel like with that, that six game running up, there's every chance that he might be given a, uh, a, a cruisier role or maybe he gets subbed one week and he gets managed a little bit and suddenly... He he starts dropping in cash, and any rookie that's made it to four forty k can drop down very very precipitously uh, if we don't keep an eye on it. I agree with you. I'm so committed to thinking he's not going to make it to the buy that I'm bringing in a round fifteen buy player, which I wasn't considering last week um, mm. because I thought, hey, she's all might be a keeper, and now I'm like, you know what, he might not be a keeper, so we'll wait yeah. and see, but. I'm somewhat committing to getting rid of him, um, if, if, even if it's at this buy, because I'm just bringing in another around 15 by player and Walsh this week. So, yeah, that's basically um, where I sit, and I do agree with you. Thanks for pointing out that run. I hadn't noticed, and it is very scary. Yeah. I, I guess the thing for me is even if he goes 50 or 60, what's he drop, like maybe 20K or something like that? But then if you don't trade him, you are literally committed to to holding him for for like 
least to the buyers, if not like planning on him being like a F6, D6 sort of situation. Because um, if you're not cashing him in as a rookie next week, you know, like he suddenly becomes a forced trade if, if you know, he puts another 50 up and his break even's 120. Like it, it, he could lose 50, 60K in the blink of an eye while we're trying to make other trades. I will say though that in that run of games, four of the six of them are at Marvel. And I do think that that ground that suits helps. him a lot. That helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. If, he's, if he's got the right role down back, I don't think the opponent will matter so much. I think he'll still score. Yeah. How much do you attribute to Hall's presence versus him getting attention as to why he wasn't playing across halfback? Oh, I just think it was a perfect mixture of things going wrong for him. Just they're coming into the yeah. game underdone, getting the tag, so his confidence was low. Hall coming in who can play that role, which just meant that Clarko had the freedom to shift Sheasel forward. It, it was just everything was bad. It was it was an off yeah. game. We need more. We need another data point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and we'll reconvene. Next week. At a later date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I guess the thing was, like, he's been taking the second most kick-ins for um, North up until this point. He took none on the weekend. Zeeble took six. Aaron Hall took five. And Luke McDonald, who was the other main kick-in kick taker, took one. So he, he literally hasn't hasn't had a kick-in either. So it, it was a clear role change. It's just we need, yeah, as you say, another data point to figure out if that was tag-related, Hall-related, or what. So... Um, uh, I appreciate that chat. Uh, the next thing we'll go on to is the rookies that we should be looking at trading in this week or next week, Pistol. Uh, some names off the top of my head. We've got Wagner, Seamus Mitchell. Um, they're probably the, the big two names this week, you'd say? Yeah, so, I mean, Mitchell is playing that Scrimshaw-type role. Scrimshaw was an emergency. Yep. He's been struggling with a toe injury. Um, I don't... I mean, I don't think after watching Mitchell play two weeks in a row that you can drop him currently. I do think... He looks good. Yeah, he looks really solid. It's one of those ones where, look, if he plays badly two weeks in a row, he's probably out of the team. Um, yeah. But he's playing well and he's scoring well. I mean, that's important as well. So if he can, you know, even if he makes it another two weeks, he's made 100K straight off, you know, scoring, scoring those 70s. So I think he's got a... Good chance this week to get at Marvel as well might suit him. Um, you know, he scored sixty-seven and seventy-nine. It's an on-field rookie option. It's it's nothing yeah, to be yeah. sneezed at. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting some kick-ins and stuff down back as well. Like he he's got some some extra cheap points. So um, yeah, like I, I I think he he goes from having someone like a, a McKenna or a Wilmot or in my case Cowan or Young yeah. <laughs> looping at D six. To someone that is suddenly a little bit more confident in getting a 60 sort of week in, week out. So uh, I like him. What are your thoughts on on Wagner? Obviously, the news today, the, uh, unconfirmed uh, at least to my knowledge at this point, Pistol, is that Heath Chapman, who would have forced him out of the side, has suffered a, a, another hamstring blow by the sounds of things. Do you have any more on that? No, it's still unconfirmed, but there were sightings at training that he went down and was very yeah. upset and the team was getting around him. So... Very bad news uh, for Chapman, yeah. but he was the biggest threat to Wagner's role um, in the side. So I think Wagner's getting another week. Um, and look, he scored 64. I honestly thought he was completely fine um, last week. It was very shaky in that first game, but game two looked decent enough. Didn't do much wrong. Um, 
I think we will get to see him again. And if you need a boost, I mean, you've got two decent enough rookies that it's, I think, worthwhile. Um, and yeah, and you can bring in whoever you want with that third one. I think both of these seem like solid options. Um, Chizu, you can pay up more though. If you look at the 200k range, you got Samson Ryan, just 210k, who is looking very good at the moment. Um, with a negative 11 break even. And you also have Xavier O'Halloran from GWS. I think he's 202K. Just scored a ton um, in his game. Are these sorts of guys that are at the elevated price worth looking at? Not for me personally. Not not with the options of Wagner and, and Mitchell to be looking at. Samson Ryan hasn't really done a lot more than just reset his break even from a, from a spike score. He could very easily just go back to his his 40s and 50s, at which point you've literally made no money off him, um, uh, even with a break. Even like uh, his projected score, if he goes 56 average over the next three weeks, you're going to make about 60K, maybe 65K out of him. I'm not entirely sure. I think we saw with Michael Aney over the last couple of weeks, that's always fraught with danger, and I don't think Samson Ryan has the upside to really make that worth yeah. it. Um, so with, with the... The other options, I think it's probably a no for me. O'Halloran um, has been around a little while. He's not too bad. But again, the elevated price is something that scares me off. Uh, there's one we haven't mentioned, Pistol, that's sort of gone a little under the radar, and that's Sam Sturt. Hot on him in the preseason if he was going to get a role. Unfortunately, he's he's played his second game sort of like at a time where, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to pick him. But um, he's not really setting the world on fire. He'd be... If for whatever reason you you need a, a forward rookie this week, um, you'd be picking Seamus Mitchell. If you're looking for two forward rookies this week, um, you'd probably be looking at Sam Sturt. Yeah, he's just he's not going to be an amazing scorer, and Fremantle look quite poor. So sorry for mentioning that again, back to back podcast, but it just doesn't scream spike score at this stage. Yep. Um, yep. If they were looking really hot, then maybe, but it's it's not looking that way. And to add to your point about O'Halloran, it's not. He doesn't have a. He's he had two um, two games in a row of twenty, roughly twenty two percent CBAs. So it's not like a massive mid roll, um, but he had a huge preseason. They were really excited about him, so that might continue through the season. But he's not a hundred average player, right? So no. I I think he's probably more of a chance of making a hundred k than Brian. But at the end of the day. You've got players like Seamus Mitchell and Wagner who could technically make more than that just by putting out 65s, which feels a lot more sustainable than these guys having to go 75, 80. Mate, if they're, if they're averaging 65s, well, the buyers, they've made 200 Yeah, well, that's right. So you've got more upside there for cash gen potential. Yeah. I, I think with the um, uh, th- those five rookies that we touched on, Wagner, Mitchell, Ryan, O'Halloran and Sturt are probably the main ones we're looking at. We obviously had Shin Cotter and Sam Simpson have their first game on the weekend. I, I think with Wagner and Mitchell available, you wouldn't. there's no real reason to be going early on either of those guys, even though they look probably better than, than Mitchell and Wagner individually, like in a, a 1v1 basis. Um, I'd probably like either of those two. Um, but they're not to, of, of such quality. Um, that you'd, they'd be taking precedence and going early on them. Well, it's hard to judge. Shinkoda's got uh, Doherty coming back soon, and I don't know I'd if like he's going to hold. Four to six weeks, though. It's, it's it's less than four now, but fewer. But it's more he might you know replace Cowan, for example. That could happen. 
and it's a bit hard to judge, so I want to see him again next week. And then you still have like Angwin, who looks quite good for GWS, played a bit of the wing, um, and was definitely held his own at AFL level and could get a, a decent run of games as well. And Tickle looks good in the ruck for Port, but again... Tickle me Elmo. He's going to play <laughs> again this week. I think they pretty much confirmed it because Lysett yeah, was with the B team or, or whatever already. So he's getting another game. And Rucks, when they're playing as Rucks, score pretty well. So he might be yeah. a good cash cow, but you know, obviously he's on 98 case, so it's a bit more expensive. If you like those guys a hell of a lot more than Wagner this week, I guess you could go early on one of them. But just feels risky because it takes one bad game from a rookie in their second week and then they don't get a third. So it yeah. feels like the safe play is to boost, probably boost this week and probably boost next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the... Like this is upgrade season. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like we're in that that period. Um, we've got a couple rookies: Wagner, Mitchell. Let's say Chincotta and Simpson next week. Suddenly, you've turned over a bunch of rookies. You got a bunch of cash. Um, did you mention Ryan Engman? I, yeah, yeah, I, did, did I zone out? No, there? no. <laughs> okay, cool. Fair enough. <laughs> Don't <Awesome>. blame you. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, I'm not the only one that zones out to this podcast. Uh, we'll talk about some upgrade targets based on that cash that we're going to be making over the next fortnight. We are going to see some considerable gains in terms of our scoring output of our sides. Uh, Pistol, the one that we talked about last week is Cogs. He sort of came through with a, a score that we were hoping he was going to be able to do. He'd be um, on the way upwards and, and looking as another trade-off, and he's still technically under 500K. Um but he's gone uh, 136 yeah. for his, his second 130-plus score this year. Yeah, that's not a technicality. He just is under 500,000. I think <laughs> he's probably the best cheap primo at the moment that you can get. I think yeah. him and Jay-Z, yep. Zeeble, who's looking like he's going to be a, a primo as well, 467K, they're probably the best two guys if you don't have under 500K that I'd probably pick up first. Yeah. Um, so that that sounds like you're ranking Jay-Z ahead of Day, who's also available coming back from the suspension? Yeah, I think so. Just Jay-Z's role is really consistent, and Day I like. I like enough that I am going to get him this week, so definitely high on Day. I think he's more of a guy that's going to finish 10th-ish of his position. Um, probably, you know, Jay-Z's probably around that 8th-ish mark, and the reason I'm thinking that is... Purely on, it's hard to predict how Hawthorne are going to go through the rest of the season, what their midfield mix is going to be. I think Day is going to be a large part of that, but it's not a guarantee given they've got Newcomb and Nash as well. You know, if, if he's going to be an 80 CBA mid, 80%, if he's going to be a 65%, it's, it, I just don't know exactly. So I feel safer with Jay Z's role um, and consistency. Yeah. But to be honest, I know Nash has looked really good um, in the last two weeks. Very impressive. But he was getting, in round three, for example, he got 74% CBAs alongside day. And then the week after, he got 61% alongside day. Like, Nash, since round three, has been Hawthorne's highest CBA mid. Yeah. Like, he yep. has, you know, in those rounds three and four, we saw Newcomb and Warple be in the 50s in the CBA. So when all of the Hawthorne mids were fit in round three and round four, their number one mid in round three was Nash and then Day. Yeah. And in round four was Day and then Nash. Um, 
and going forward, I think that's going to be the same. Like, I think it's yeah. they're going to yep. be the one and two, um, you know, at least while they're in good form. And mm. it's a good mix, right? Because Nash is tall. He's a big-bodied midfielder. So he's got that that height and presence in that midfield. And Day's got that agility and speed. So they're a really good combination. And then Newcomb and Warpool are kind of like a bit of both, I guess, um, to, to rotate in as well. So they are sticking with a really tight core midfield group. And I think... I mean, that's good for scoring for all these guys, but particularly Day because he's listed as a defender and super coach, but he's, in a, he's found himself as part of a tight midfield core. So the role will be good for him. I think it will be hard for him and just because he's very talented to go under 90. I think, feel like that's a worst case scenario. And your, your upside there is probably still, you know, 100 average or, or so. And that, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, uh, I think the next six weeks we're going to see a lot of good scores from Zebel as well. Like if you're if you're in a position where you haven't been able to get Zebel at this point, it, I think it's a pretty clear pick to go Zebel over Day. Um, Day, there's a lot of hopes and dreams surrounding what yeah. what score he might actually get, and we're seeing a lot of the upside, but there's also some inherent risk because we're picking a guy that. We have like three, maybe four rounds of data on. I think three rounds of data as a midfielder. Um, now, we know he's going to be good. Like he's coming into that kind of three, four-year window um, uh, vaguely from memory. So he's going to be good. I, I, I guess at 450K, you've got to be cognizant of the risk that is there. So um, I, I'm certainly not knocking the pick at all. Uh, I just think that there might be other priorities that we want to be looking at, like um, if you have the cash to go straight to a Sinclair or a Sicily, I think that's obvious over day for me personally. Um, I'd love to know what your thoughts would be, Pistol. Are, are you using two trades if you can get day from that, or would you boost to get Sicily? Or- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Sinclair instead of getting day. I think that purely comes down to your cash generation of your side. If you're not struggling with yep. cash at all, I'd be paying up for a Sicily yep. or a Sinclair type. But if you're like I think most people where you've suffered some injuries to some rookies and it's stifled the cash gen or you're a little bit yep. worried if you have to kind or, or of, you miss Chandler or Van Ruin or something like that. Yeah, you miss one of those guys. And I think you're I think if you feel deep down in your gut that you're going to have to like kind of go cheap in one position on your field. I'd rather cheap out on my D6 
than my M8 at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm cheaping. I'm looking at my side and I'm like, look, my backline sucks. It does, and I'm going to bring in Day instead of a Sicily or a Sinclair. But then I'm going to be able to get Walsh in my midfield instead of like a Darcy Parish type. And oh, I know. Sorry, cheese. I shouldn't have used P- Parish as an example. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an exact it's not an exact it's 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 i'm 20k off it's someone that's way worse than parish you know 520k guy 510k guy um and i'm looking like do i want to cheap out and gamble you know a degoey there we go Chiso. a degoey at yeah. an m8 do i want to take that gamble and then get a, a, a sicily or should i just take the gamble on day and get walsh i mean i i'd pick walsh and day every yeah. day of the week in that circumstance so that's kind of how i'm viewing this situation um at least for me and my side yeah every day of the Welsh you'd pick him uh so <laughs> the, the next question i'd like well let's you've touched on walsh walsh seems pretty high on your radar he's yeah. obviously come back from that back injury and has, has looked first game he looked a little bit underdone but yeah. um the the game this week he looked brilliant i thought well oh look i i wrote this big thing uh to my team pistol on slack before walsh played his first game and i was like look we know the contested beasts haven't been scoring amazingly well. And whether or not that's because, whatever reason, if it's the attacking football and the run, 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 run game style, I'm like, look, Walsh run, run, runs. That's his thing. He gets from contest yep. to contest. He, he hunts the ball. And even if he has that, he, I think he had 55% CBAs last year and that was like much lower than the year before where he went 117 average. I'm like, even if he goes... You know, the 55% CBAs, which is a 110 average. I think because of his running ability and the way he plays the game, he's going to have an uptick just purely because of how hard he runs. And yeah. I'm like, I want him. Then it was a very welcome surprise this week to see him get 83% CBAs, kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And lead Carlton for CBAs. And I'm like, wow, that was unexpected. And obviously, he put out a 130 as well. So. I'm hot on Walsh. I'm. I am. There is injury risk with any back injury. That's like one of the worst injuries um, in AFL because, as we saw with um, George Hewitt last year, you get like a sore back, and they say it's a one-week injury, and then you never play again for six months. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's never play again. Yeah, for six months he, he didn't play another game, but every week they're like, "Oh, his back's sore. It's one week away. It's one week away," and you never know when to trade, and it just like keeps yeah, sucking yeah. you in. Um, and I feel yep. like back injuries do that a lot. Like Luke Ryan's done that in the past as well with back injuries or back soreness. Um, so it's it's not good. Um, and I'm taking the gamble because I thought before even seeing Walsh that this year would suit him really well. And now he's scoring really well and his role is better, potentially better than I expected. I'm like, yeah. oh, just sign me up already. And that's the, the, the problem is it. he's going to score 160 on the Eagles at Optus Stadium this week, and we won't actually know if he's he's better or not. <laughs> I will. I'd like to take the 160 in my you know team as a bit of a POD. Um, doesn't yep. he's got around 15 by though, which might make me cop a donut, but a bit later, which isn't ideal. Um, so I'm aware that it's a gamble, but as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast as well, Walsh is, well, for me, um, Walsh is one of my favorite players in the AFL. I know I'm Collingwood Spotter, yeah. so I'm not allowed to say that yeah. out loud, but I love watching Walsh play. I think he's, he's just amazing. And if it helps me sit through Carlton games, then I'm doing it for the good of all you people out there listening, um, making a Collingwood <laughs> Carlton played good footy, mate. 
I mean, they haven't been. <laughs> um, no, good to watch is what I mean. Yeah, sometimes, but Walsh makes makes it a lot better. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty. I was yeah, pretty keen on starting if I could have, and that wasn't yeah. an option. So, I'm um, I'm just he was, doing he it was now. a slap me if I don't start like 18 months ago. Yeah, I mean, him and even Laird last year, they wanted to start, and then he broke his thumb, so I didn't start him, and then I never got him the whole season. Uh, and now yeah. I, I don't want that to happen this time. I was thinking, well, yeah. if I go someone cheaper like Zach Merritt, for example, who's a great pick in his own right, I'm like, I just don't think I'll ever get Walsh because I'm going to focus probably on Clayton Oliver next and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just yeah. want Walsh, so I'm just going to get Walsh. Yeah. I got the money, I'm just well, going to do it. I, I, I sort of was faced with a scenario last week where... If Tom Green was playing, I would have easily upgraded to a defender last week. But I ended up getting Parrish just because of the exposure that I had in the midfield with Tom Green not playing. Um, and I didn't like the idea of having um, Ollie Hollands at M7 and then one of Johnson and Roberts at M8. And it t- turned out to be a, a pretty good decision for me, even though I had Tyler Young in the field for his 27. <laughs> so you lost points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, lost points. But Parrish made the difference between who I was going to trade it in. So he, I, I, I was like two points in the in the black for it. Um, I, I guess I'm now focused on trying to upgrade my backline. I'm going to miss Walsh this week. And then next week, I'm probably going to be looking at Oliver. So basically, uh, the situation that you've just described you're going to be one of those coaches that has a Walsh unique, and I think that's a that's a massive head-to-head win too. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. So anyway, touch wood, he doesn't break down and get injured this week like yeah. Took did because that was meant to be my period from last week. Um, but Chizo, speaking of the Essendon boys, I mean, Parrish dropped yeah. in price just, so he's still very, very cheap. And Zarek yeah. has quietly had a really good season. Um, he had a yeah. poor round one, and then he's basically just lost 40k on his starting prices down to 578k but his last couple of games before he got injured was a 134 111 88 114 so he had a good good burst um and we know Essen have a really amazing run from round 10 onwards like talking yeah. north melbourne twice west coast twice type run uh is he somebody that's high on your radar and would you recommend bringing him in or or parish or what's the deal between them I think you can take a pick between Zeret and Parrish. I think they're both they're basically equally as good as each other. I think that Parrish has the potential to have higher ceiling games. Like let's think of twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, all the medals. I want to say we uh, we won all the medals, um, and he, he was just playing out of his skin. I don't see that that sort of ceiling with Zeret, um, and, and they're just pretty much pretty much going to go blow for blow. They've both they're both inside. Um, like CBA mids and and Scott's been pretty consistent with his midfield this year, so I think that's been great. Um, I just think, I I, I think that they're I, I can't really split them. I, that's I think okay. either of them are going to be fine. I would probably go Parish because he's the sexiest man. No, because he's <laughs> like if if I can't split them, I'm going to pick the cheaper one. Yeah, that, that, that's honest. That's honestly where I'm going. I'm looking at you know trying to pick one of them up before round ten before that run. Yeah, and it's just going to yeah. be whichever's cheaper. Yeah. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, as I simple think as that. As well. I mean, All right, yeah. next question. Next question. Yep. Sinclair or Sicily, if you had to pick one, and why? All right. Like the question, I'm going to go with a slightly controversial answer, I think. Um, oh. I'm going to go with You're going to go Will Day. Yeah, Will Day. I'm going to go with <laughs> Sicily. Um, yeah. 
I know that Sicily may not have even peaked in price drop. That was a weird way of saying yeah. it. Dipped? Um, yeah. No. No, uh, yeah. Troughed? I could have said it way better. But anyway, he's 533k with a break-even of 111. Um, I yeah. like the matchup this week against the Bulldogs. I really do. Um, it feels like to me that his role is stable. Like he's not really being thrown around as much as I was scared yep. about in the preseason. Like maybe there was yep. that little bit of mid. Hasn't been thrown forward with all their forward injuries at all. Um, so he's, he's been really stable and I know the kickouts are a bit of a pain in the bum, but he's really tracking similarly to last year in kickouts, but there's just that outlier, the game at Norwood oval, which he took one of 16 kickouts. Um, that's going to skew his stats massively. I mean, it's a really small ground. I think potentially Hawthorne, we're trying to use like a shorter, more accurate kick in terms of their play style on a small skinny ground compared to like bombing it long that Sicily does. Um, I don't yeah. know, just a theory, but that's going to skew the stats for the whole year because all the other games has been about that 30% mark, which was the same as last year. So yeah. I don't think there's that much of a role change for him to you know, suddenly go from a 113 average to 100 flat. I think he's probably a bit underpriced. He, he might go around 105 mark. The thing that worries me about Sinclair is the rising CBAs. Uh, in the last four weeks, or even the last five, for every, every week it's gone up. It started with zero, then nine, then 21%, then 38%, 39%, and last week was 42% um, CBAs. And I just, I don't, want, I don't want Jack Sinclair the midfielder. I want Jack Sinclair the halfback because that's the where The seagull. The seagull. Yeah. I want the seagull role. I mean, he's still scoring well because he's a great player and he's obviously going to score well in the midfield as well. But if I want like pick ceiling... Jack Sinclair. I don't think it's going to be in Saints midfield. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I tend to agree. I, I think, I think Sicily is still playing pretty much the exact same role as he was last year. I don't think anything has changed a whole lot. Um, and just like you say, I, I feel like there's maybe one or two games like that seventy and that ninety, where. I th- I think I said to you that like I think he's unders. I think that that's that ninety he scored that was unders. That 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 felt like a three figure figure game. And it sort of it sort of feels like that we're getting more of a bargain for where Sicily's uptick might be compared to Sinclair. Um, I think Sinclair is still definitively a good pick. I still Very think good. he's going to be a, a, a you know a top six to eight defender, maybe better. He's going to go a hundred plus. Like I truly believe that's the type of player he is. Um, something that unsettled me a little bit on the weekend is post game he was interviewed on TV and he basically like he he was out and out and said oh I played a lot of midfield time this week because I was copping attention early in the game and Ross wanted me to free, get freed up. I'm like. You know, like this is what happened towards the end of well, yeah, end of last year. He started copping attention. His scores got affected and whatnot. If copping attention in uh, from a forward tag now means that he loses that uh, defensive kind of seagull role, that's not something you have to worry about with Sicily. Um, and, and you're going to have games where Sinclair is going to be costing himself a one twenty because he's no longer in the back line to scoop up the ball. Yeah, I think his floor gets affected. And that's yeah. like if Sicily's got a higher floor, I like getting those players because they don't fall as much. And I think I yep. can get Sinclair, hopefully, 
a little bit cheaper throughout the season. But to be completely honest, I think they're both top six defenders. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, yeah. I would like both of them in my final team. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, but like, if I was picking one this week, I think yeah, Sicily just just for me personally. Uh, I guess that leads straight into Harry Himmelberg. Obviously, Sam Taylor has had the uh, the hamstring, the the, the high grade hamstring is going to be out for three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's having. I think he might be having surgery on it. Um, uh, but that leads into. Is Harry Himmelberg going to go back? And if so, we've got a hundred plus defender at three hundred and fifty k. I think a league got injured and he's out for like one to two weeks or something as well in in that VFL. So he should. I think he goes back at least for two weeks minimum, and probably yeah. probably ten weeks because he's going to be so good at it because we know he's so good at it. Um, yeah. So you get primo scoring at three hundred eighty five k. I mean, I didn't have the trades, and I'm using my boost because I had the two injury. This is like the pick. Like, I would take this pick over the Cozzy Pickett pick from a couple of weeks ago at a similar price point any day of the week. Like, if I... Yeah. This this is the one where if you're having an average start and you're asking me how do I come back, I'm like, well, if you have the trades to burn, this is the gamble because he goes 110-plus as a defender. We saw that last year. He was 110-plus defender. If you're going to get a guy for 385K, that's going to go 110-plus potentially for... I mean, it's risky again because it might be just two weeks, but let's say t- 10 to 12 weeks. He's not just a... Like he's, one, he's like an absolute jet. You're, you're getting top-tier premium scoring, but you're trading him out at 550K. Like you're making... It's a cash cow as well. So yeah, I if I could Chizo, which I clearly can't, this would be where I would be taking the punt. I would be... If, if I didn't cop an injury last week... Knowing me, I would 100% be bringing Himmelberg in this week. Yeah. The the only um, issue that I kind of see with that is that round, uh, when Taylor went down, he immediately went back yeah. as to, to sort of plug the hole. Um, but then in the fourth quarter, he was back into the forward line again. So it's... It's it, it's risky. Even in that, it's a risky pick. Even, <laughs> even in that little window, we don't have a, a definitive answer for what they really want him to do. Absolutely. And we could have him for two weeks and he scores 110 until Aaliyah becomes available again. It's just like, and then he gets chucked forward. So, yeah, it really comes down to if you're in a position to take that risk and if you have the trades. If you've been, say, Pistol or myself and have been absolutely hammered with carnage so far and you're getting to the low 20s in terms of trades, it's even if he does go back, it's probably one of those things that you just pay 450 for him in a month's time than it is to take the risk. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I this is not for the faint-hearted. Like, I I wouldn't really want to be talking anyone into the pick. But if you have like a spare fifty k in stock or something, and you're like, oh yeah, I'll just do it and see what happens. Like, totally sounds fine. like you're talking someone into no, it. No, no, no. This is not a uh, <laughs> this is a high risk, high reward. But I I got to stress more on the risk part because I probably yeah. do a fair and job and the on high it. part. It's very to be, yeah. very risky. Yeah. All right. Next one. When should we be trading our mid-prices, the likes of Hopper, Setterfield, these kind of guys? When are you looking to trade these guys on um, with, uh, you know, um, setters with a, a slightly low score on the weekend means that we're now playing break-even with these guys? Are, are you confident in holding them for the long term and upgrading and trading the rookies around them? Or are they, are they being treated like a, a cash cow like the rest of them? What's your thoughts on that? I would like to hold Setterfield for that for 
until his bye because he can play West Coast, North Melbourne, like in the lead up to the bye. But I was a little bit worried that when Hobbs was subbed on, Setterfield got pushed. He lost pushed. his CBAs, bro. Yeah, so Setterfield got pushed out of the media. The season low, 58% CBAs. Hobbs came in and straight away got 27% CBAs um, in that last quarter. And I didn't like that. Um, I think yeah. it was a mistake and, you know, Essendon lost the game. Maybe not directly because of it, but it couldn't have helped. So it might not happen next week, and he obviously has a high ceiling. But it's enough to worry me that if I am specifically using him to get to Clary, which I have said on almost every podcast, if he's about to go down, you know, he's got a break-even of 88, and we know Clary's got a break-even of 171. It's the timing's just working out for that to be done next week. And yeah, you could. there's an argument to be had if you're playing purely a break-even game rather than a points game. There's, there's an argument to be had to be trading him this week because he might lose money and keeping someone over yeah. him that you were, I don't know, like an Ashcroft or whatever who, who probably goes up another 10K um, purely just to stop yourself losing the money. But you will score fewer points. Yeah because of it, because Setterfield should score more yeah, than yeah. any rookie. So I think if you have Oliver, I don't know if there's anybody else that's worth target. I mean, maybe Laird's coming into good form, Chizo. Um Yeah, baby. <laughs> I, I would like to hold him, but if you need him to get to one of the big, big dogs, I think it's okay to sell him. Yeah. Is it crazy for me to tell you that Setterfield in the six games this season has had one ton so far. He feels like he's been better than that. He has been better than that. Well, feels like it. He's, <laughs> he he, had, he had a right. one forty-seven against Gold Coast game, totally out of the blue, like just fantastic, awesome. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a top a top ten mid on, based on that that output. Then his other five scores are ninety-nine, eighty-two, eighty-seven, ninety-one, seventy-six. It's not that good, like, is it? It's it's not amazing. I mean, like you compare that to Jacob Hopper, it's not it's not like Hopper's like way better than him. And people that went Hopper to Setterfield are idiots. That's that's not it at all. I think they're like basically like for like. But I think maybe our perception of what his output was going to be when he was averaging 123 across the first fortnight may have kind of tricked us a little bit. Maybe rose colored glasses, and he's really only mm-hmm. like a well, look at the opponents, a 95 average. Round one and two. Who did he play? Uh, Spuds played Hawthorne uh, and Gold Coast. Hawthorne and Gold Coast. Yeah, that's that's you know two of the weakest teams in the AFL. Yeah, I, I guess in the next the next week is when we're going to find out, really, isn't it? Like yeah. against the tough tough opponents. I mean, he went eighty seven on GWS, who's not exactly tough, but St Kilda top uh, top of the table eighty two. Melbourne good side ninety one. Collingwood good side seventy six. He's got Geelong, Port Adelaide. Brisbane, Richmond in the next four, we're really going to, like, you'll know in the next fortnight whether you're going to be holding him. And so you, you may be forced into making a decision next week to get Oliver from him if, if you actually believe that he's not going to be that 100-plus that's going to keep making you cash. Because if he's not going to keep making you cash, he's basically topped out. Yep. Ah, it's interesting. This is a big week with all these rookies kind of topping out similar timing. Um, yeah. And it's all the expensive then, ones too. Yep. yep. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I guess the thing with with Setterfield is it's not like he's going to end up back below four hundred k. So like he's four forty six now. Like I don't I don't think we're going to see him down below 
400k, even if he isn't that guy that we thought he was going to be. Yeah. So you can you can probably hold him and trade around him, and that's that's not going to be an issue. As well, it just means he's just not as good as what we thought he was going to be. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Next big one to talk about. What the heck's happening with Gordon Pistol? He's got a ninety point seven average for the year. He had forty seven. He was supposed to be the golden child. Um, he, he he's obviously he's had one bad score. I will be honest. He's gone one fifteen, one hundred seven, eighty five, one hundred two, eighty eight. That was all looking great for the first year, averaging averaging a hundred over the first five. That's great. And he's put out a forty seven against Geelong and an absolute smashing. Our premiums typically still put up seventy pluses even when they get beaten by that much. Is he a premium? I think he is. I think he, they just Swans just got so just like just destroyed um, by Cats that it, they're massively impacted their pie. I mean, it, it, super coach pie. I mean, you got to remember if you look at his game, he had sixteen disposals and he had sixteen kicks. That's a big super coach tick. None of this, none yeah. of this handball crap. You know, he's getting the, <laughs> the, the high point scoring plays. Right? He yeah. had zero goals, three. So that's Big missed opportunities. Obviously, he missed the goal three times. Could have been three goals. You know, then we're not even discussing it. And then he had four frees against in the first half when the scaling yeah. was, was the, massive, the yep. biggest amount because obviously they kept getting pummeled for the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah, didn't bloody Matty Roberts be, was it like got injured on ten and he ended up doubling his score because of scaling? <laughs> close to it, Is yeah. that, or, or am I am I misremembering Qu- that? Close to it, but yeah, Golden specifically had three frees. Four and four against at halftime, and I was amazed that that was just so many frees. But he had seven clangers um, yeah. from 16 touches. I mean, it wasn't a good game. He was, I think for memory, he was on like one or two at quarter time. Um, and then had... <laughs> Tom was, Green still tons up from that, thank you. Well, he was dealing with negative scaling the whole time, and then the team went <laughs> on to lose by like 90-plus points. So I yeah, can't yep, really... Yep. I mean, look, it is what it is. They, I chalk it up to a, to just a, a bad combination of factors, and you've still got faith in him. And he's back at the SCG for the Battle of the Bridge. Is it the I, Battle of the I Bridge? I think, yeah, Battle of the Bridge. Yeah, I just think Golden doesn't have a game like that again for the rest of the season. Yeah. So it's it's a hold for me. And if he keeps putting out scores above anything like it, just his first five games on repeat, you know, two scores in yeah. the 80s, three scores in the 100s. With a hundred yep. average for the rest of the season, then that's, that's fine. fine. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. The the next one and probably the last topic that we're going to talk about is I want to know your boost strategy. Uh, I think last year I left myself two for the buys or one for the buys, and that like, was really really slow in terms of upgrading upgrade cadence. You've gone the opposite way this year, where you're just like. I am going to deal with the buys when I get there. I'm not going to have boosts to do it, but I'll sideways if I have to. Um, do you think there's a happy medium or do you think that over, you know, um, I boosted last week. I'm probably going to boost this week to get more rookies. I'm probably going to boost next week to get the two good rookies that come through. Suddenly I've just gone bang, bang, bang with my boosts um, and, and kind of that, that has resulted in my kind of uptick in in overall rank. Is that, do you think that everyone should be following that that strategy? Yeah, boost baby. Um you got to follow the rookies. I mean, at the end of the day, in a perfect world, you have one for the round 15 buy, but I don't think it's that important because I think it's probably we haven't factored in as much as um, we haven't thought about it 
as greatly as maybe now that I'm thinking about. Like at the beginning of the season, I wasn't thinking about buying as much detail as I'm thinking right now. And I've come to a conclusion, yeah. or at least a thought, Chizo, that this year's buys, instead of there being three rounds, there's four rounds of buys. So that means mm. instead of three weeks of three trades, there's four weeks of three trades. So We can run out faster. <laughs> we can run out faster, but we can also plan better because yeah. one of those rounds at least... We're just not. We're going to have enough players for our side, and we can now start shifting players early, like the round a week earlier. We can shift it a week earlier because we have more trades through the buy period, and we'll be able to get through the buys more easily. There's more maneuverability, so that's kind of the thought I had during the week that I was excited to say on the podcast that I actually might not need my boost at all for the buys. I'm more comfortable having three trades in a week to prepare for round 15 than keeping one extra trade yeah. boost so I have four. I, I, I think that the, that the way you've phrased that um, has been eye-opening for me. It's, uh, that's generally not a thought I've had. Well, that's why you listen to uh, the Doc Supercoach podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have many thoughts, so that's not surprising. <laughs> um, uh, given that that is now your strategy... Yeah. When are you projecting to have zero trades? <laughs> Next, round 15? Look, no, yeah, pretty much zero trades by round 15. But I, I hope it doesn't happen, but it probably will happen that I'll have very, very, very few trades coming out of the buys. But we'll, yeah. we'll play that as we go. I think for right now, you want to use your buy, your boosts where the good rookies are. I think this week you could take the, the Wagner and the Mitchell and the boost. Next week you can take two of the good ones and a boost. I don't know what's going to be on the cards after that, but you just take them as they come. If you've done really well holding your boosts until this point, this is where you want to crank it out because you can start getting primos ahead of people on the board. It's just really unfortunate for everyone that got Took Miller in because it took a boost for everyone that got Took that I know used a boost. And now everyone yeah. I know with Took has to use another one. So that's just you've blown both your boosts and that, Sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't. It's just it stops you from falling back into the pack, which is what would have happened in previous years without the boost. So it, yes, it, it's unfortunate that you have to use two of them, but it, it it's almost the only consequence. Yeah. So I mean, I see it as my team was one. I wasn't a premium ahead, but I was a mid pricer ahead. I was like a, a, a set of field slash Jay Z ahead of most teams. Um, and Wait, Jay Z's of why am I trading in Jay Z if he's a mid price? No, no, it's his pre- premium. <laughs> I, okay, I was one premium ahead of teams, um, and that's why I've been cutting my rank in half every week since round one um, and yeah. gaining ground. But because of this, now I'm running out of my boosts earlier. People are going to boost and be able to overtake me instead of me being able to, you know, stay ahead of them. So that's a bit upsetting, yeah. but it is what it is. I just got to keep going. Um, and yeah. I think if you're in a position that you're still back out, you know, the 20K mark or 30K mark, this is the time now. It's like put on the put on the, the, the burners and just boost. Put on the jets. The jets. Thank you. I just got worst way with words for a podcaster. <laughs> the worst way with words. I agree. <laughs> awesome. Cheezer, you want to jump into captaincies this week. Whoa, 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 whoa. We talked about this last week. I know. Don't, I know. You, be, don't you be preempting me? <sighs> what do you want to talk about? All right, Pistol, we're going ju- to jump into VC and C options this week, um, which is complicated a little bit because we don't have the typical Madden 
uh, emergency captaincy score that we can use because they play in the third game against the Swans on the Saturday afternoon. Um, so that leaves us with a, a little bit of a, a, a tricky week. Um, but I suppose a lot like those that have Constable and Chesser, it's just another normal week for you. So um, it could be just as easy. I, I think it's super easy just going English into Dacos. It's hard to argue. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Now, I've done the, the vanilla stuff. Now, I want you to get a little bit more exciting. Well, I just... I want to actually discuss English versus Bontempelli because English is seemingly... He's a solid 130, right? Like, you're getting, yes. you're getting yep. your 130 to 140 squad of English. He's against Reeves. Um, we know Lynch got uh, concussed, so he's out. So, they'll probably bring back Meek. But I don't think that's going to bother English very much. He's going to... It's it's a great matchup for for English, but Bontempelli's in some sick form at the moment. Like he's yeah. truly looking like an unbelievable player. I think it's his is it his two hundredth this week. I think it's a milestone game as well. Um, so there's just that little bit of uh, incentive as well for him to have a big game. Um, who are you putting your VC on between these two guys? He's got oh, Bont's got a three round average of one hundred and fifty. It's high, but yeah, between these two. Yeah. Where's your VC going? Um, I think that there's an issue with them deciding to send Finn McGuinness and English has literally coming up against a ruckman that doesn't know which arm to use to try and tap the ball. So I'm probably still going to stick with English just because I'm a softy safety boy. <laughs> um, and But everyone else... Okay, I, I have to come clean. Um, apparently... At the wedding, I convinced someone that I just met and got talking to Supercoach about to take his VC off Bont and put it on English. Um, I can't corroborate that because I can't remember, but apparently that's what happened. Oh, dear. Um, so based on that, I would chuck the VC on Bont and Pelle and not listen to me. <laughs> I think the Connor Nash big body matchup with Bont is a real ripper, um, and it's enough to scare me a little bit off Bont, but he's in amazing form, so he'll find a way to score yeah. well. But I'm yeah. with you. I'm going to take the 130 plus English score this week and just call it a happy days and not even think about it. But if you don't have English and you don't have Bontempelli, which I think they're probably the best two VCs, let's be honest. Yeah. Is is somebody like Walsh? Oliver. Oliver. Or Oliver against North Melbourne? Yeah. Sort of tempting you? He, he 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 could actually meet his break even this week. That's what I'm worried about. I am worried about that too. I think yeah. <laughs> I think that's the. I think there. I feel. I mean, I don't know why I haven't VC'd or seed Dacos in any game this whole year, and he's averaging 135. And this week, I'm still like, yep, English into Oliver, easy. <laughs> <laughs> and then if that does, if if Oliver's laid out, I'll go to Walsh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's basically anything to avoid putting the captaincy on. On Dacus, yeah. but I, I mean, <laughs> I still think that. I, I can't lie. Yeah, Dacos is going to be a freak, but I just feel like that this week we're going to get a, a decent captaincy option. I just think we will be. Last week you did say we were going to get lots of decent captaincy scores, and you were right. We did get a lot of yeah, decent captaincy they just, scores. they just happened to be all in my team. There we go. Perfect. Um, <laughs> all right. Can we talk about Taranto sneakily doing 114 average this year? Yeah, he's been... Very good. His floor is really high. Um, yeah, 
Just he got he got traded out a bunch a few weeks ago because he wasn't going to burn anyone and we could do some corrective trades, and he's just gone sick ever since. Yeah, no, three-round average of 124, 24. which is 0.3. definitely damaging. Right. I, I hadn't pegged him as the, the, the number one forward so far. Like, I hadn't pegged that as happening. I thought he'd be, like, three, four, five. Um, mm. But he's, he's, he's been crazy. I'm going to throw one at you last minute. Uh, Mitchell on field or Van Ruyen yes. on field? <sighs> Mitchell. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> You're um, like, oh, but North Melbourne. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Van Ruyen. On field over Mitchell. Okay, I'm I'm tempted, half tempted to take your advice. Currently, I have Mitchell on field, but now I'm a bit scared. So, do you have a Matty Roberts that you can loop with? No, we can't even loop. I actually like Oscar Baker this week against Hawks. Yeah, that's true. Um, as a loop to try loop on to the field, I think that's yeah. that could be decent for people that are looping. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Connor McKenna against Frio as well could be a decent decent loop. A lot of decent loop boys. <laughs> God, I, I, I've been really impressed with the, the the the. I just didn't think that we get this much consistency from the demons, rookies, and they've been really good. Like there, there's every opportunity that there's coaches out there that miss both of them based on the fact that their job security was yeah. so like up in the air. Um, and there was an article that I was reading in Slack today that um, JVR was like literally one mark stopped him from getting subbed at the start of the fourth, yeah. and then he ended up. Having like a sixty-point final quarter, um, I was winning a matchup by fifty-seven points going into the last quarter of the Melbourne game. <laughs> JVR <laughs> against me, and I lost. Rocked to the core. And I lost, and it was my first loss in the league. Anyway, that's fine. I'm not upset about it. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, JVR and Chandler against North Melbourne. You think would um, get the lion's share of the points this week? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Mi- Mitchell against the doggies. I mean, we've only got two data points. Ah, I might, I might risk it. <laughs> I, I, I okay, okay, I okay. Know. I got another question for you. I oh, know, please. Fergie don't. Green or Van Ruin on field? Oh, I'm not going to put Fergie Green against uh, Bulldogs just because. He needs to kick goals to score well, and yeah, I I feel a lot more comfortable for him kicking goals against GWS and Adelaide than I do against Bulldogs. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, so we had to say. I think that's that's about it, Cheezo. We can wrap up. All right, mate. Seeing as you're running the podcast, I'll let you wrap up then. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, <laughs> for those patrons, we'll be doing a patron only. Q&A podcast like we did last week so please use the uh, Slack channel podcast questions if you have any questions for the podcast tomorrow Um, otherwise you can find us at doctor underscore sc on twitter you can find myself at pistol underscore dirc find jb at jb underscore drsc and you can find the man with the legend chizo at chizo underscore drsc thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you next week mate if you keep doing that you'll take the job
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 